Welcome to The Five Nine, the official podcast of the Fierce Telecom and Technology Group. Join us each week for the latest insights on 5G, millimeter wave, AI, electronics, sensors, networking, infrastructure, and more in the communications and technology space. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Five Nine Podcast. As always, my name is Alejandro Pinedo, your host, and I am here this week with Tom Lozen. Some of you might remember he was with us last season, and we're very pleased that he's joined us again for another discussion. He is, of course, EY's global telecoms leader as well as their EMEA TMT lead. Tom, welcome back to the Five Nine Podcast. Great to have you on. Thank you, Alejandro, and very nice to be here again. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Tom, for, for those folks that uh, might have missed the last episode, it has been a year. So just a, a chance here to give a very brief introduction to your role over there at EY. Yeah, sure. My role is in Gideshi said I head up the uh, telecommunications practice. As EY, we could say do four types of services, assurance for our clients. We do tax and legal. We do uh, strategy and transactions and we do consulting, which includes technology consulting. So those services, all those services that we provide to telecommunications companies across the globe, it's my responsibility that we provide the right services and we provide them in the right way. Excellent. Let's let's get to the subject matter that we've invited you here uh, today. So you just released CY's Decoding the Digital Home Study. Now, I think this is a, a yearly project that, that you undertake, but I wanted to start understanding a bit of the methodology and its purpose. Uh, and, and how it's run before we get into some of those key findings that uh, you want to share with us. Yeah, sure. No, for context, Alejandro, it's for us, it's important that when we work with our clients, when we advise them on what we think is important to them and how they could become better companies, of course, there is the experience from the professionals working in the practice, but also we'd like to base ourselves uh, from insights that we get through research. And one of the biggest pieces of research that we do is we have more than 20,000 households interviews, interviewed on basically their attitudes towards technology, media or content and telco services that they use in their homes, finding out what they like, what they find important. And what we then also do is we, we look at their attitudes towards the providers of these services. So over 20,000 households, North America is included, Canada and the US, multiple uh, European countries are included in that survey. Also, South Korea, pretty advanced when it comes to telco tech and media services is included. So that's what we do. We do that every year, which allows us to uh, compare a little bit how things actually change in the digital home. And that's uh, quite a scope, 20,000 households. I'm sure you get a lot of very interesting insights from that. Now, of course, Tom, when we spoke last year, this would have been in 2022, we were coming out of uh, everyone being at home, uh, getting back to work uh, in the office for some remain remote or hybrid. And that was a large focus of our discussion and how that had impacted the the broadband services and requirements as well as the devices that households were, were engaging with on top of all the other usual household smart connectivity requirements that, that you would expect. What are some of the, the headline takeaways or, or changes that you've seen from the survey this year that, that perhaps is different or is evolving from the past editions of the survey? Yeah, I think there is, you, you, you put it very well, we're coming out of the COVID period in which everybody 
was looking, not just looking, was actually upgrading their, you could say, means to stay connected, to be entertained. Last year was a bit more around, hey, cost of living is going up, energy prices are going up. How how will the people in the homes deal with that? Will it impact what they take? I think the first finding, there's probably three most notable points to make when you compare it to last year. The, the first one is that actually the value as customers put it on their services, the value has only gone up. So we, we looked at and we asked them about value for money when it's related to mobile or the, your broadband on the streaming platform or the content that you get or your smart home solutions that you use. And on almost all of them, actually all of them, and then mobile stayed flat, actually the appreciation, so the value for money, the customers judge it has gone up, which we think is interesting. So we know that they're actually spending more on it coming from the years before, but the appreciation for those services has only gone up. I think the second one, which is interesting and slightly different than last year, is the whole appreciation of bundling of services. And what I mean by that, there is a clear appetite, like 40% of the households like to also include content in their broadband subscription. And it contradicts the idea of the cord cutting. We'll maybe speaking a little bit more about what is that content actually, what is included in that content. But there is a clear desire from customers to bundle in the content they uh, can consume with the broadband offering. And I think the final one, which is different, is that I think for the first time in, in multiple years, we've been doing the study for, for quite a few years now, there is an increased appreciation for dealing with requests, customer requests. Customers like to deal with those increasingly through digital channels. So whether that's chatbots or in the app or doing getting informed through the website over reaching out to the call center. So I think it's something telcos and media companies probably for a long time longed for, but it was always the call center, which was which was the preferred, preferred channel. Increasingly, we see a preference also for other channels. So I think those three are ones where we see a change from, from previous years. We'll try to address all of those, but let me start with that first piece that you were mentioning around the, the service and, and the value that we put on it. One yeah. Actually, one of the, the things that, that I read in, in the press release about this uh, report that I thought was quite interesting is that we tend to take, although perhaps some of us uh, like myself, to take connectivity for granted, but there seems to still be a considerable amount of customers that have an unreliable internet service in their home. Now, I live in, in rural Britain and I have one provider that gets me fiber to the home. And I'm lucky that there's that one provider, but I take it that not might be the case universally. So where does the responsibility lie? Where is that up to the private enterprise? I know, for example, in, in the United States, there's a large push now for public funding for, for broadband projects. How do you see that evolving? And, and also, how does that also impact the way that customers and, and users perceive these broadband companies, ISPs, and even the, the mobile carriers? It's an interesting phenomenon, right? Because not only, indeed, is there quite a few people, quite a few households, which still deal with what they believe is unreliable internet. Also, that reliability of the broadband is actually the most important one, more important than speed. So it's a pretty, pretty critical feature. I would actually break it down into, you could say, two different things. One is the actual speed, reliable broadband that you can get 
in the home and and the other part is once you actually have the you have the broadband there there is still of course a a whole a set of things like how is your wi-fi router doing how well is the coverage in your home uh, if something breaks down how easy is it to repair it yourself can you just reset it or is it easy to go online and and repair it or is that not the case so there is you could say the the reliability of the broadband to the home itself and then there is everything which happens in the home now the second part so what happens in the home that is clearly uh, something for uh, the provider to work on uh, right and and you do see increasingly companies telcos offering a guaranteed speed or guaranteed uh, coverage of the whole home and they work with amplifiers and different solutions to get to, to get that done but clearly from the feedback that we get in this in this survey there is still some work to be done and on the first part so really having the broadband available like in your case you have the fiber but in many other places that's not the case i do think there is a responsibility for for governments for and increasingly so you also see the appreciation for that like addressing the white spots in mobile networks or helping a fixed broadband to get to places where maybe it isn't immediately a profitable business for telcos. I do think that there is a role for government to play as I think by now being able to connect to the whole digital world in a reliable and fast way is something which is increasingly an important part of life of both, I would say, teenagers older people, whether it's for education or work. So that's how I would break it down a bit, Alejandro. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think it goes to that appreciation of service. There's also now that expectation, right? So then it becomes not only a, an enterprise piece, but a, a political one. You need to have those broadband projects in place to, to get people connected. I wanted to also ask you specifically on that bundling that you were mentioning. Yeah. This is something we've seen a bit of in the past, right? ISPs or, or cellular services trying to spruce up their offer with different services attached to it. Is this something that you see increasing, growing, diversifying? There's a plethora of streaming services now. I think if you read feedback, it's becoming a bit jarring on, on folks in terms of how many different subscriptions you need to engage with different types of content. Is there a way for companies for, for those telcos to be an aggregator and, and bring those together. Yeah. So lots of interesting things happening there, I think, in that space. I'll get to your question around, hey, what could TMT companies do in a second? I, th- I think it's interesting at least to mention two things. One is that originally it was the things that people would consume through uh, video platforms was basically U.S. drama and, and movies. But increasingly, also, people go to streaming platforms for comedy and also documentaries. The content that gets consumed via, let's say, regular TV channels is actually going down. It now limits itself to news and sports, but also sports increasingly moving to the platform. So there is a lot of appetite for people to to get that content via a video platform. That combined with the, something we discussed earlier, which is that there is a, a preference for people to, to have broadband bundled in with the content. There is a role to play. Now, the question is, is it merely you're able to pay an additional few dollars or euros every month? And with that, you get the subscription and it's a, a sort of part of your channels. Or is there something more to be done? One thing that we saw is that there is an appetite for, for people when they go into video platforms 
that they also potentially get to a place where they could do shopping or that there is a place where they could go and that get discounts for certain events. So I think the the question is there is there a play for TNT companies to put almost like a, a portal and overlay on it, which maybe also would provide search functions for certain movies or documentaries so that you don't need to go into all the different streaming platforms that you would actually offer also the services that I was just talking about, like giving also a shopping experience or a discount on events experience. I think that's something that could be worth exploring. I, I very much look forward to that as a consumer. Now, something I wanted to, to also touch upon, Tom, is, is the uh, discussion around smart homes. In the report, you talk a lot about, uh, or, or you look into how people are engaging with those devices, whether it's smart speakers, smart assistants like Alexa or, or Siri, whatever the, the choice uh, of that household is. Now, we've been talking about smart homes for a while. Are we going to move beyond that? Is there more to it than, than my five-year-old playing with Alexa and you're making a shopping list on it? Or, or can I be excited about more meaningful innovation in my house yeah i'm with you it's been around it's been there for a long time but the big progress hasn't been made and is, is still not it's still not rapidly taking up from our research so we checked on all the different things indeed the alexa's digital home assistance to smart speakers but smart lighting we looked at smart doorbell smart heating security all the different uh, things basically Households do tell us that they're expecting to take more of them. So it is going up basically on all the elements. At the same time, if you look at it, it's at best one in five who expect to buy, whether it's smart security or, or lighting or heating. So it's still relatively low. Uh, smart heating, mentioning that one, went up uh, quite a bit compared to last year, 11 to 18% likely because people appreciate with the higher cost of energy to be a bit more precise in how they um, heat up their homes. To, to your point, why isn't it really taking off? What people tell us is there is a view that it's quite cumbersome to get it working together. So convenience and likely having a company which offers the whole mix and makes it all work together in an integrated way is something which would be super helpful. And if you look today, the most popular doorbell smart doorbell provider is a very different company than the most popular smart heating solution is again different from the smart lighting so there needs to be um, uh, a company putting them together offering them uh, in one way and uh, conveniently putting them to work for you in the home that would surely be helpful um, there is also a bit of hesitation to have all these things run on the mobile with sort of the fear for a breach of the mobile. So those two things, the convenience of having a company bringing those different services uh, together, working, getting it all uh, integrated is an important one. And the second one is actually looking at, is there another way to then control those different things, potentially from a panel in the house, than necessarily having the mobile phone as the uh, central uh, order of this all. So how do you see that coming to play? Is it a... Do you think uh, that we're going to see more acquisitions? Do, we, do you think one of these large companies that already has a presence in our home will start diversifying their services? How do you think in a year or two years' time this, this landscape looks or might look? I know you, you can't tell yeah. exactly what it will look like, but surely what, what, what are your insights telling you? Yeah, so I think on this one, it's still very essential that you do work with uh, people 
who actually go out, put the physical hardware in place, get that connected to the internal network, making sure it all functions with what is running in the cloud. So I think the the company that has a successful player is the company that is, I would say, either has a workforce and or has experience of doing things in the home. So I think for the telco companies, there is a very logical uh, play building on capabilities they they already have. I think some of them are actually doing this. Some of them have been doing this for a long time. I think there is some hesitance because it has been always quite cumbersome. And so before you know it, the cost of installing never gets earned back. But I think today's technologies and also the price of the of getting it, or the, I should say the cost of getting it all integrated has become quite a bit easier. So I think there really is an opportunity to look at this again and see how you can make um, a, a profitable business out of this, especially, I would say, for telecommunications companies. We're coming to the top of the episode here. It's a huge, huge uh, piece of work. A lot of research has gone into it, so I don't think we're doing it justice in 20 minutes. But hopefully this is a way to whet some folks' appetites to, to go and have a look through it and, and reach out to you with more questions. But to close, I, I guess, what would be your one takeaway or, or something you'd love for folks listening in to, to take from this report or, or this conversation as they look at smart home services? And perhaps what do you think is the most intriguing part of the research? What, what caught your eye when you were looking through it? Yeah, I think the, the one which I think was most interesting is the fact that there actually is a desire for with households to really get the integrated bundle, the broadband, the reliable broadband together with the content, ideally being aggregated, uh, ideally even being with some additional services. So putting that all together, I think is counter to what we've heard a long time, which was cord cutting. I think what it tells us that if there is the right content at the right price point and offered in the right way, there is a uh, lot of appetite and desire for households to basically work with one provider of the of all of that versus them having to figure out the free streaming platforms and then a separate broadband provider and then maybe even a separate mobile backup. So I think that one is a very good one to to take in for everybody and uh, yeah, see see how that plays out in the coming years. I think this is a, an opportunity for the telco community to take and, and take quickly, it sounds like. You're really spelling it out here. I don't know how much more clear and obvious it can be, but there's clearly an opportunity here to play a pivotal role in the house and the home of the future. I think so. And as a consequence of that, get the revenues up, get the growth that I think they're all looking for. Excellent. There you heard it, folks. I think that's a, a very valuable and important takeaway from this interview. Tom Lozen, thank you so much for, for joining us once again here at the Five Nine. Always a pleasure to hear from you and, and see what incredible research your, your team is putting out there. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed the conversation. Well, MCU listener, thank you for joining us for another episode here at The Five Nine. As always, we'll be back in your feed with more leading voices of our tech world in the next week. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Five Nine, Fierce Telecom's official telecom and technology podcast. Follow us on Zencaster to get the latest ICT insights each week. Get the latest telecom and technology news at our websites, FierceWireless.com, FierceElectronics.com, FierceTelecom.com, and FierceVideo.com. See you soon.